Hello everybody, my name is Aidan King and welcome to My Normal. On today's vodcast episode, we have got Lee Ryan, who is also known as a record producer, drummer under the name Platonic Lab. We were so lucky to be invited into Lee's studio where we discuss a vast range of topics relevant to all you creatives. I want to give a quick thank you to everyone who watched last week's episode with PBS. It was an incredible success um, being able to shine a spotlight on community radio, which is something that, uh, as you would have hopefully seen from that story, uh, is the grassroots of many, many people's success within the music industry. And they do it all on the smell of an oily rag, and they're asking for your help still. And they should be every day and be a contributor to PBS or any community station by either A, contributing as a member or just listening and absorbing. And it's just so relevant. Uh, Melbourne at the current stage is in another lockdown. We are having all of our gigs cancelled, having all of our expression cancelled, which is all of our income cancelled yet again. And we are the last to come back. And this new COVID normal is not normal. But hopefully this episode can be a bit of a ray of sunshine and inspire you um, to create, to collaborate and um, support your community in some way or another, whether that be producing music or listening to music, consuming music. It's a beautiful thing. Another beautiful thing is that you can head over to the My Normal Podcasts Uh, YouTube page and hit that subscribe button. Um, Better still, share this around. Uh, I really want everyone to see these things Um, and let me know you're enjoying it. That uh, really helps me want to do more because it's uh, pretty lonely there just existing as an algorithm. But anyway, I would like to thank uh, Platonic Lab for supplying all the audio and uh, soundtracking to this week's episode and hopefully maybe a couple more because uh, this is fun to talk over. Anyways, hope you enjoy today's episode with Platonic Lab. Let's get into it. Cheers. Cheers, 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 cheers. Cool, Lee. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. I thought we'd start with a, a pretty basic question. Um, your first memory of a musical achievement? <laughs> when I was 14, this is a weird story, but like uh, when I was 14, I was like playing drums at home and just like smashing them and whatever. A band of like guys that were maybe like 19, 20 heard me playing drums and just yeah. um, knocked on my parents' door and just like, uh, Oh, you know, who's a drummer? We need a drummer in our band. They yeah. had some like bungalow at this house down the yeah. corner that we were rehearsing in, and just like picked up all bits yeah. of my drum kit and took this fourteen-year-old kid down to yeah. this uh, <laughs> bungalow down the yeah. corner of the Do street. Do you remember to, their band name? Uh, no, it was probably something terrible. Like, but it was like, fun. It was like the first like time. I was like, Red oh, Horizon. Yeah, I can, I can play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was like in the eighties. So. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in East Preston. Yeah. Yeah. What was the music scene in East? It didn't exist. Yeah. There was no one I really knew that were into anything apart from crime and sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what music were you into when you, were, uh, when you first picked up the sticks? Uh, I used to listen to um, 
I guess I started in primary school. Mm -hmm. I was probably about uh, 10 years old or something. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably into the police. Yeah. And just stuff like that. Anything with a, like a, like a drummer personality. Like I think Midnight Oil might have been in there at one yep. point. Just yeah, all those early 80s yep. kind of things that... Yeah. Just drummers getting away with being the lead drums. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. yeah. Overplaying everything. Um, cool. What was... <sighs> did you sort of have like a, a... When did producing and, you know, start dissecting music sort of come into play? Um, I Yeah, I met a, um, a guy who had a home studio in the late 80s. And um, he would let me mind his house while he went overseas and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a, yeah, it was like a, and he had like a setup with like an eight track reel to reel uh, mixing desk and all kinds yeah. of stuff. And I kind of figured out that like after being in a few bands and stuff in my teens, that like you could just sort of with a multi-track recorder, you could just kind of like be a, a band pretty much. Yeah. And get all the ideas down with drum machines and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was like, Looking back on it now, pretty like ancient technology. You'd have to have like a synthy track on yeah. to run all the everything in sync, and yeah. you know things would fail. And but it was just like a really cool like. I mean, it was kind of like going to school, but like just having access to this yeah. this studio. You know, was there a genre that you were um, trying to replicate? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. it was just like. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's probably sounded like garbage, but just like stuff. Yeah, working out how drum machines work and yep. synth work and really early sampling and stuff. What was the first album you purchased? Oof. Oh man, probably some really bad compilation record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess I'm trying to work out when did like hip hop and rap? Yeah, sort of so like, like take in the, probably in the late 80s and um, it really took, because I was in like a, all different kinds of bands like in the late 80s and the early 90s. And um, when rap music like hip hop really started doing it for me is when I had access to my first proper like sampler, which is the ASR 10. Mm -hmm. And I met a guy who had moved here from LA, um, who was an MC and he was like rapping in a, like a jazz band. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of that band, but um, he just wanted to do something more with like less a live band and more just work with beats and stuff. Yep. So he kind of like, Ended up um, hooking up with him and um, yeah, we just started making like, you know, music and yep. it was like a good, it was a good thing for a while because like when uh, people like, you know, DJ Shadow or Tricky or people like that would come to Melbourne and they'd, yep. look, they'd look, be looking for a support uh, because like he was an American MC, I guess he had some sort of legitimacy about it. Yep. That's the way I saw it. It was kind of like, you know, yeah, oh, you know, these this is like rap music because, you know, everything fits the bill, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we'd get like, we'd score like good supports and stuff. And yeah. A few like, uh, like early festivals, like there was one called Vibes on a Summer's Day in yeah. 94 or 95. Yeah. So what sort, of, what it sort was of bands like, were playing or artists were playing? It'd be like, like um, DJ Crush from Japan and yeah. like Vibraphonic from um, the, the, from Europe and just like stuff like that. Everything from like DJs to, um, like sample-ish music to like live bands that were yeah. kind of like in that. I guess at the time it would have been a lot of like acid jazz and stuff. Yeah. But like beatsy, I guess. You know? I remember setting up a gig at Pony for DJ Crush a long time ago and I automatically went upstairs to the band room to set it up 
and they were like, he's here. And I was like, yes, yeah, so I'm ready to go. And they're like, no, we want to do it downstairs. And I was like, <laughs> what? That sucks. Oh, in the little, in <laughs> yeah, little as in like we just like set up a fucking speaker on a stick and he just had his full vibe. Yeah, so, right. And I was just like, so disappointed. Yeah, that would have been like, it was recent, so cool. like <laughs> semi-recently. Yeah. Uh, oh, this would have been probably the last six, ten years, seven years, six, yeah. seven years yeah. ago. Back when Pony was Pony, I guess. I think I remember seeing him at Hi-Fi Bar. Maybe that was yeah. the same tour. I think it, it might have been on the same thing and then this was just like a little secret like a show that wasn't show. a secret sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah, when I saw him, he was using like, this is in the, yeah, so like would have been 94 or somewhere around there. Yeah, well, and he was just yeah. using like multiple turntables and just making beats six. on the spot pretty much. So just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm old, so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah cool, well, salute. <laughs> um, when, um, what was the sort of, what was the first act you were with that you started selling tickets? Um, yeah, I guess it was, um, I guess it was that group. Yeah. But like, um, we actually had an offer, like we had an offer from Roadrunner Records, actually. Yeah. What, was, what was their name? Uh, Macronauts was the yeah. name of the band. So it was like super underground rap music. Yeah. But what was like the lineup in that? It was, um, we had a singer, Del, from the UK, and Mike, who was our MC, yep. and drums, uh, and uh, organ. Yeah. And a guitarist. But kind of like what we'd do is like, I saw like, um, I sort of had this idea previously because like I used to put on, like get old drum machines and stuff and play drums yep. to them, kind of like Sly and the Family Stone style. Yep. But um, I saw uh, Charlie Hunter with um, uh, Michael Franti. It was like probably Disposable Heroes. Yeah. And um, they played Australia and the drummer just had like a, like a, a rack of, with a sampler, like a, you know, an yep. Akai sampler and stuff in it and headphones. And they were just running all of their loops off of that. He was playing to that and then just Charlie Hunter on guitar. Yeah. It's like, that's how I can do it. Because I've been be doing all this stuff yeah. and like playing drums to these beats at, yeah. in, you know, in the like home studio or whatever. And um, that's how we can just do it live. We'll take, yeah. out, we'll take the loops and samples out and then we'll just play over that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's how we would do it. Yeah, sick. What was, what was next? Where was, uh, so what, was then, what was your achievements with, with that? Uh, I guess it's like do like the shows, shows we did. We ended up making like a like an early Australian hip hop record in '95. Yep, and it was like all just super underground and. Yep. Um, and then after that, I hooked up with a label called Nuff Said, mm -hmm. and um, started just doing all kinds of stuff. Yep. Um, we had a focus on sort of like international rap, so we'd yep. get um, we'd work with. MCs from South Africa and the UK and Atlanta and everywhere pretty yep. much. And then from there, like, um, I guess, um, yeah, I went to, decided to go to RMIT, do media arts. Mm -hmm. And so while I was doing that, just started sort of uh, making more records and um, producing for lots of different people, I guess, in the Australian rap scene. When you chose RMIT was... Um music your focus or was it I think it was kind of like um, because just previous to doing that course I was doing a bit of um, sort of uh, I guess sort of more art uh, soundtrack stuff I was yep. doing some sort of gallery things and soundtracks for gallery exhibitions and stuff yep. like that and I thought it might be kind of like a good thing and also I had a really big interest in film yep so I thought it might um, sort of go hand in hand with a bit of sound design or even music for film, yep. that kind of angle. But I guess the, the record making just kind of like took over in my yep. interests. 
Um, yeah, and then just, yeah, it was just like a years of just banging out records yeah. with people. Is there a particular um, like unit or class that you took it in that course that you were like, actually that's like something I use quite regularly? Um, it was all pretty useful. I, I yeah. actually liked the, the lectures a lot when we just sort of like, like film study or whatever that yeah. was pretty cool but um we had like uh 24 hour access to the studio there yeah um which is great so we all just had passes yeah, so you could just huge. you could just go in like when mcs would come to to melbourne from the states or whatever and then to do a session like, i just yeah. really just go into the studio and record vocals and stuff so yeah it's super super great yeah like, i mean that's pretty rare to um go and study but already have clients yeah, so I mean, I didn't even see it as clients, to be honest, because yeah. it was all just so, like, it's, it was just the culture, you know? Yeah. It was just sort of... You're probably one of the only stuff. ones who um, actually utilised the facilities. Because, like, you had an end goal and you had... Yeah, um, not, at night, like, stuff. I think, like, only a handful of people were really rinsing the studio, you know? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so what was the next project from then? Uh, next project... Um, uh, so I started working with an MC called Pegs. Uh, and touring with him. Yep. So I was making his records and then playing drums for his shows. Yep. And then from there, um, uh, met an MC called Muff and we sort of started making records together and yep. doing this pretty much like the same thing I was doing with Pegs, but we kind of just did it as a group now. Yep. So instead of being someone's drummer, it was this just like my like own thing. 2004? Yeah, so like a, I think I started touring with pegs in 2002 ish yep three and then yeah muffin platonic was 2004 yep. i saw muffin platonic at mount buller when i was doing a snow season up there just like figuring out how to waste my life <laughs> um <laughs> yeah that's the first time i ever saw um you in the flesh but um, I think it was also the first time I ever saw, probably not the first time, but the first time I recognised like Australian hip hop with live drums. Right. And being a drummer, I'm, I just sort of went like, of course, like, fuck, that's so much more entertaining than just a yeah. dude. It's funny because I've, I've been do. doing it that way for years, but like I think the, um, our, the audience for that music had kind of caught up a bit by that yep. point. So we would sort of be able to like tour around a little bit. Yep. Was there many other hip-hop drummers, like touring hip-hop drummers um, at the yeah, time? Yeah, like, um, I remember um, there's Downside from Perth. Yep. Um, God damn, I feel like I'm really missing something. But uh, yeah, there wasn't many. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember Peril, like back when we used to do shows with Macronauts, I remember Peril used to um, play congas live. Yep. Um, I don't know, about full blind drums. Ah, oh, really missing something here. Yeah, we used to also do, like, this is like going back into the mid-90s again, but yeah. like we used to do, um, sometimes do gigs with, I think it was like Skunk Hour and a few yep. bands like that. Jeez, wow. They yeah. were kind of like, they were kind of like rap, but like they weren't like the rap that yeah, we yeah. were into, I guess. Yeah. It was more like a live band thing. It wasn't really like, yeah, I'm probably forgetting some stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it was pretty scarce, I guess, having live drums and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I've always found, I mean, for my playing, like, I've always been that, like, technical jerk who just, like, overplays everything. <laughs> was it hard or was it already your style to, like, play the track and not be, you know, and, like, play the sample style, the eight-bar loop or do that break beat sort of thing? Yeah, was, was that hard like, to fit into or um, were you sitting there going, like, everyone wants to see the drums? 
No, I just think like um, it was just a way to add more dynamics to like a like a a beat. Yeah, basically. So I because I was into like like just you know you get obsessed when you're younger yep. with like sampling and stuff like that and breaks and things. So yeah, just being able to like play a break. Like if the engineer could put a bit of reverb on the kit and yep. make, and I'd try and play like a break. Yeah. Um, that was cool for me. Like yeah. I didn't have to do a million things, but yeah, it was nice being able to do fills and stuff where normally like, yeah, I mean, most people would have production where the beat, the, the loop would just run yeah. for the whole track. Yeah, I think around that time I was like listening a lot to like the roots and, um, and that sort of thing. And then I remember seeing like black eyed peas at the big day out or something and Tony Royce, the junior comes out and, um, like does Tony Royster Jr. full on amazing stuff. And I was yeah. just like, again, like drums in hip hop. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was, what was your achievements in Muffin Platonic? Um, well, we'd, we got a lot of love from radio and yeah. we were able to play lots of big festivals. Yeah. We had like, that was like your first entrance into like Triple J World? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, not really because with Pegs, we were able to get a feature record and a few yep. things. But like with Muffin Platonic, because it was my own band, yep. I think we had three feature records yep. and all kinds of stuff. We were able to play shows and like, you know, this, I don't, don't know if it was called One Night Stand, but we were able to play shows with yep. like Powderfinger and people like that. And yeah, cool. It was kind of like, you know, really like from doing like just rap shit yep. or like funk or whatever it was, any kind of underground scene to being like oh we're kind of in the music industry now a little bit yeah because <laughs> we were being able to play with all these like yeah sick bands i mean they probably still hated us but yeah. we, we could play with them you know yeah um who else were you sort of rubbing shoulders with in like your genre uh, who, just, who was coming up around that time oh uh, just everybody it was just like yeah. an explosion pretty much yep yeah. um and i signed uh even though i was doing lots of work for obese in the early 2000s like i signed with them in 2005 yeah. And just was like working with so many people and yeah. touring with so many people. It was like a, they, and they'd signed pretty much everybody at that yeah. point. Because they, they had like, you know, they had Draft, Hoods, Bunkers, Us, like uh, you, you name it. Yeah. Like everyone was on that label. Yeah. I remember um, like obviously not being in the, um, the hip hop world or scene and just seeing the obese label everywhere, like the stickers. Their sticker yeah, I think they huge. were the largest Every independent VL record label had in Australia at one point. They were just like, yeah, massive yeah. for an independent label. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just remember seeing like every VL Commodore have a, a, <laughs> a, a sticker and just being like, there's something behind that. Like, it's yeah. just records. It's got to be cool. <laughs> um, so when did, when did Hilltops um, come across your desk? Um, I'd seen them in the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually become friends with them till like the early 2000s yeah. and we did I did a tour with um I think it was the calling tour would have yep. been 2003 into 2004 and uh, I was touring with pegs and we did the whole run as the support yep. act so I got to know them pretty well on yep. that run and um what was their lineup on were they having a live band at that time no it was that just was debris just, and TMCs. Yeah. but like the craziest thing that happened on that run which was like another like all these things happened in this like five, it feels like about a five year period yep. where all these like amazing things happen. So one of the things was on that run, they had just started taking off and yep. they booked one night at the corner hotel, yep. um, which sold out immediately. So they like booked another night and that sold out immediately. Yep. And they booked a third night and that sold out. And then the big yep. 
a fourth in a row. So it's like, oh, there's something, there's something going yeah. on here. I a terrible like, problem to have. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you guys, uh, you know, yeah. they just skyrocketed yeah. pretty much. What Did they have a single out at the time that was... I think it would have been nosebleed, nosebleed section. But I think it was like a delayed reaction almost yeah. that um, when that song took off. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that was like their trajectory had sort of yeah. taken off. But I didn't, I didn't start drumming with them till, um, towards the end of uh, 2011. Yeah. What do you think it was that um, got you the gig? Um, I just remember um, we were on tour with Draft at the time. Mm-hmm. We were going through Adelaide and the guys had just come down to hang out. So they just sort of started a stage. And um, me and Muff were kind of like, we were pretty much, uh, it was a bit rocky, let's say. Yep. Like, and we didn't really know, you know, where we were going to be taking it pretty much. And um, yeah, and uh, so after we played our set, just sort of Suffer came over and asked me if I wanted to, yeah, drum with him. Yeah. It was kind of like, I don't know, what got me the gig? Maybe just like liked what he saw at the show. How much did you have to think about it? About five seconds, yeah. pretty much. Because <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty unhappy at the time. Yeah, like you know, with that group and stuff. So yeah, it was like I felt at the time it was like this could be good because it it means I was doing a lot of like work on my own for that group as well. It's yeah. like a lot of pressure, and I thought I need to just like perk the brakes on with it, and it might yeah. be nice just to be a drummer in someone else's band. Yeah, you know. So what what were you were you just the drummer? Were you like um, like musical director in any way were you um were you, you taking lead from someone else saying this is what the live set needs to look like uh not really i just sort of like i just was doing what i'd always done yeah i just sort of fit in straight away pretty yeah. much so yeah it's just more like learning the tunes and yeah was um, the um setup easy to walk into like you just felt like you were able to just play drums like were you then yeah i mean the only thing that was different is i would, I would like fe- yeah i'd feed myself for my own stuff i'd feed myself a click yeah um, just because I wanted to have, because um, I was, because I did so many jobs in that, in my own band, like um, I, I'd be controlling this, the playback and everything and yeah. drumming. So like with a click, I could have like a, you know, just come in straight with the track or yeah. have like um, silences in the music where stuff yeah. was happening on stage and then just like have it all like, be it'd be all like synced yeah. a bit better. But with the hoods, it was more just like they didn't have a click. So it was just like playing yeah. over beds. But I feel like it wasn't that much of a, I think as long as you can crank your headphones enough yep. or get a mixture of what you're playing and the beds, it kind of yep. works out. What's some of the iconic gigs you've played with hoods? Oh, man. Um, I remember playing like, um, there's a few like, a, they're, not, they're probably not even the best gigs that we played. Yeah. Like they just remember them. They never are. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah stadium there was sucked. one where like we played in like the Swiss Alps and... Um, I just remember looking back a stage and there's just all these mountains and yeah. stuff and like and Wu Tang played this show yeah. we're playing it. So like I can remember standing side of stage and just giving the Wu Tang clan the pound as yeah. like they came off stage like I can't believe I'm in Switzerland yeah. playing a show. You oh, know? Music coming, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just crazy ones like that, I yeah. guess. So many Yeah there was many shows. I can't remember what it was, but there was like you played like an MCG charity. Oh yeah, so thing. like we played that was a pretty um, big deal. Well, uh, 2019, start of 2019, we played yeah. one of the hugest shows, uh, solo show, like a Eminem show at the MCG, That's which was like a, uh, forget how many thousands of people, like yeah. 80, 90,000 people. An Eminem worth of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was like, and we did Firefight as well, which was 
earlier last year, yeah. which was massive as well. Yeah. Which is the one in Sydney. How's the, the nerves working walking on to an MCG? Uh, it wasn't as like, I don't know, it's going to sound really conceited to say it, it wasn't, didn't really have that much nerves, but the yeah. one that I was really nervous about, we did like a run of stadiums with an orchestra. Yeah. And I remember just like having, you know, so much going <laughs> on. And like, so I, had, more moving parts. I played behind like a Perspex wall yeah. because the string section was in front of me and they yeah. obviously can't be caned by music, uh, yeah. by drums in their heads. Yeah. So it was just like a weird, it was like a, being kind of like, a weird dissection of yeah. and being a bit alienated in a way, but what's the still um, amazing? What's the rehearsal schedule like to play with an orchestra? Um, well, they're all on the clock, so yeah, it's sort of pretty much you have one rehearsal. And, yeah, you know, and they, they take their tea break at a certain hour. It's and fucking they, amazing. Just, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> you know if, if you're in the middle of a song and the tea breaks up, the bows go down. It's like oh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that's. Yeah, but if the bows go down and you ask them to work again, like your bill goes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm not paying the bills. <laughs> yeah. Um, I imagine it would be pretty expensive. Um, tell me about this. I, I can't remember when I got this. I don't even remember how I got it, um, how I even knew about it. I think it was uh, my friend Brad Hurl. Oh, yeah, um, Brad. Who, who's done some work with you guys in Hilltops, and I remember he's sharing it, and I was going, what? Yeah, we did, sounds we, cool. did, we did a couple of them. We did, the first one we did was... Um, uh, based on Hong Kong. Yep. Um, it was just one of those things where um, it was kind of like the, our first overseas trip, me and my partner, Nicole Reed, who's the yep. photographer. And um, because we're like um, psycho-creative people, we couldn't just have a holiday. We had to do like <laughs> work some sort of project into yep. it, um, which ended up being like a couple of visits to Hong Kong to get the book done but it's yeah. Kind of, yeah it's pretty much based on like well it started out as kind of like it could be it could have been an online thing but nothing yeah. about that really kind of like um it wasn't that interesting to yeah. me like I'm, I'm always into like you know records and physical things so yeah um I think yeah. what I love about it is um <laughs> like the whole GoPro like movement that happened to like everyone getting GoPros and selfie sticks and stuff but just the unknown or the graveyard of all that footage just never seen the light of day because right. who the fuck wants to go through <laughs> your GoPro footage. Yeah, this right. is just like the ultimate um like like it's more than a photo album, isn't it? Like it's it's a it's a like a timestamp as to yeah, well, two like collaborative the, forces. Yeah, especially the Hong Kong one, because I don't think that Hong Kong even really exists. Yeah. Like as it was anyway. Yeah. Like well. in twenty 15 yeah. or whatever. So the Hong did. Kong was the first one? This first is, one, yeah. yeah. And then we decided to go, like the first one was a 10-inch. Yeah. And um, and then we decided to go for like the smaller. We learnt a lot actually making the first book. Yeah. Even as far as like, you know, where we got it pressed and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny because we took like, you know, two of the most expensive physical things you could do, which is record production and bookmaking, <laughs> and just yeah. like put them together into yeah. one like unholy kind of like, yeah. you know, amalgamation. But um, yes. Uh, so like the, the 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 beats, like the music, is kind of all kind of based around field recordings. Yep. So as we were like traveling around, and Nicole's taking photos, I was sort of trying to get audio that I could make yep. into music. So you're just sampling like all the like, sampling, yeah, anything that I yeah. thought would be interesting. All the bells and whistles. Um, yeah, it's yeah. great, man. Like it's it's just such a great concept um, of. Yeah, like yeah, it's sort of like based on something like chucking on you know, uh, this little record and 
listening to um, like this sort of thing. It's the like the ultimate like scratch and sniff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Like this is that was the idea. Yeah. So like an old school like you know, um, I guess read along storybook kind of thing. Yeah. But just for um, adults, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a sweet thing. Um, oh, you've already signed it. There you go. I was going to get you to sign. Um, so what, what's come from that? Um, I don't know, just like, just more collaboration. I mean, it was like such a, especially the first one, because we applied for funding and we just couldn't get funding. So we yep. ended up doing a possible campaign. Yep. And I'd never done crowdfunding before. And it was like super successful. We, we raised like, um, like $17,000 or something. Huge. Which is amazing. But like, it was, uh, just the most harrowing kind of like, yep. It was intense. Yep. Doing that, I would probably not do it again. <laughs> yeah. You weren't inspired through COVID to like do a like a field notes in like Docklands or something. <laughs> yeah, I had all kinds of ideas of doing different ones, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like it's just such a it's just like a massive undertaking that. Um, yeah, I just have to find. I mean, who knows when I'm going to get to travel again? And stuff yeah. Anyway. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? My Normal Podcasts is now searching to develop new and emerging podcasts. From creating your very own jingles and producing unique content to personalise your brand. For more information, please visit www.mynormalpodcasts.com Perfect. Let's talk to me about songwriting. Where do we start? The, the core of it is like I usually start with machine in some way, either like just standalone or just as a, as a sound box yep. within um, Cubase. Um, so that was the first thing that I did, which was like this. So just those chord, rolled chords in yep. a loop. Um, and then leading on from that was, I guess the drums would definitely have come next. So um, you've got, there's a bit of drums. That's pretty much like the, the idea for the beat. Yeah. Um, and then this sort of like happens, it could be vice versa, like as far as like having live stuff first or sample yep. sort of stuff first. This is live drops? Yeah, so this will be, uh, this is like, um, I think it's like a mixture. Yep. Yeah, because I also sample into machine as well and then yep. chop things up if I need like a crash or something, I'll just do it um, into here. Yep. Um, I'm actually like really bad at like saving, like Having it's almost like I keep distributing stuff from. Yeah, yeah. But it, it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Anyway, no, uh, no one sample of the same thing is the same. Yeah. Um, and then like I guess the bass would have been added. So there's some bass in here. Let me just try and solo these things. Um, so you kind of got like a it's like a real. Serge Gainsbourg, Herbie Flowers, he kind of like, yep. um, you know, flat wounds with a pick, sort of yep. muted sort of sound. Uh, and then over that is the whirly, which I've done. I sort of like recorded it once, but then just like shifted it so it can have it as, as a stereo pair. Some guitar in here as well. So the whirly, 
this. so sick. I feel like I'm like, this would be the soundtrack to like walking into Qantas Club and like everyone being like, he, he's, he's here. <laughs> so that's the, that's the whirly that's got some like yep. phasing and stuff on it. And you got, yeah, it's the bass that's through this stuff. Yep. Uh, and then some guitar. What's your go-to bass? Um, I've got like this thing I got for 300 bucks, I think I paid for it, which is like this, I'll grab it. <clears throat> This sort of 60s Japanese thing. Yeah. Which has got these kind of like... An old like, like, looking thing. Yeah, I've yeah. got like these nylon um, sort of like uh, labellas yeah. on it. Sick. Um, and this is, this is really cool. It's like it's, it gives you the Beatles bass thing or yep. a Serge Gainsbourg thing without being super... It's like a bit different. You know? Yeah. Like it speaks really well. It's yep. kind of almost like a little bit of a double bass sound almost yeah. in some ways. With the nylon strings. With the nylon strings. And um, and the other thing is like another cheapy, another cheap guitar, which is like this little um, little Jag Squire. Yep. Which has got flats on it as well. It's and just like put a little bit of... I'm in the market for a bass and I was like, do I just fucking get the Squire? Yes. It's, it's great. Yes, it's been to, really good. I don't have to bring <laughs> home. Really good. Well, the thing I like about the Jag is that you get like, you know, you get your jazz pick up here, but yep. then if you just want it to be a P bass, it can just be yeah. a P bass. Yeah, and um, I guess the small neck's kind of cool for yeah. someone who doesn't play guitar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the guitar, I've just been it's getting into not spending heaps of cash. I've got this Squire as well, which is has been really great to record. Yeah, which is the J Mascus thing. Yep. Yeah, it's been. I actually upgraded the bridge and all this yep. kind of stuff, so it stays in tune. Terrific. And they're your go-to. Uh, go That's all my things. Devices. Yeah, I used to have. I got to had a three-three-five copy, but it's. It's kind of cactus, so yep. don't use that anymore. Uh, so guitar is pretty much just doing like little flourishes yep. or like little textorial. But in context of the beat. Oscar had to leave him all behind. Kind of like Scorsese, yeah. Al Pacino redefined. Except this time the set was a casino in the sky. I know it's dark, but it's true. Play your part, take a leap. No, this ain't for the faint of heart. Oh, and then it's like a bunch of us. Bit of orchestration. Yep. Ah, oh, and I had a friend who's like a um, a counter tenor. Um, a friend of mine brought him, brought him over <laughs> to record. He's like, he plays with, um, he sings with, I guess, um, I'm not even sure the actual style of class classical music, yeah, right. but um, so he laid this down. And these ones. Oh, wow. So that's how it's so... Um Mellotron flutes as well. Yeah. You always need Mellotron flutes and stuff. You can totally hear your um, influences through like movie soundtracking and, right. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's in there. It's um, all in the DNA yeah, like of it. Tarantino could be crying to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I guess I've got three vocalists on this. So there's Nadine who did the hook. That's 
from uh, Hamilton in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And um, Ratu, here's a guy I've never worked with before. I might mute this track. Who did the other, the first verse. So he's two MCs. Yeah. Parked in the back, spilling cheap wine on our laps. Watching time go by, caught in the trap. Filling my mind to collapse. Round my third eye. That's pretty much the track. Yeah. And we never lose the consciousness. So when you're selecting vocalists and people to collaborate on your tracks, mm. um, what, are you, what are you looking for? Uh, I guess I just look for like the, an interesting voice, like the timbre of the voice yep. plays a lot of the part. And then there's like the, I guess like the, what sort of things they write. Yep. Um, so yeah, I guess like a, a few things like that are to do with like how it sounds and then also like um, just their general kind of vibe, I guess. Yep. What kind of artists they are. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's just sort of, and then just working out. Like sometimes just have like a list of people who I'd like to work with, but yep. then just figuring out what would be cool, like what would be a cool pairing as far yep. as like the music and the voice and stuff. Is there, um, is, I mean, cause obviously having worked in the industry for as long as you have, you, you would have access to a lot of prolific and high-end people. Is there a, a feeling to um, unearth someone or are you uh, looking at, do you ever look at yeah. getting um, some of the big dogs into? Um, I think it's, I mean, you know, it's always like, it's amazing to get someone super, you know, well-known and accomplished on yep. your production, but also like, I think it's kind of super fresh to have someone that it's like still sort of, you know, coming up and building their career yep. and stuff. Like Ratu is a good example. Yep. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's, it'd be interesting to see where he takes it. I think he actually may have been signed recently. Yep. So it's kind of like I'm sort of getting in on this sort of like weird ground up sort of thing there. Sweet eyes. Um, and the other track that I think would be, uh, got this track with Olivia St. Louis, who's like a, he's done a lot of vocals for a producer named Odyssey from States. Mm -hmm. And um, when I saw him, uh, come and play Melbourne a few years ago like um he Olivia just like came with the tour and like sang and played guitar and stuff and I just yep. thought like I'd really like to just make a track with him I guess I guess I've been getting into like stuff that's like non-rap as well yep just making songs like uh yeah is there a balance beam that you're walking on um being a producer but also releasing your own tracks where you go this is for me yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, like, I mean, I feel like you, you sort of, there's like a lot of give and take with if you're making something for someone, you kind of have to like fit their thing a bit, a yep. bit more and like sort of shape it that there's something that they'll want to use and like you're actually sort of supporting their project, I suppose. Yep. And then with my stuff, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of great in a way, like I get much free reign but I mean yeah. to an extent because you still have to kind of like I mean also when you're collaborating with people you're sort of inviting them in to be part of that like I wouldn't yeah. want to like really dictate too much what people do over something I yeah. either like it or I don't like it but you know what yeah. I mean just get, having that sort of freedom it's kind of cool I think I mean I, I see because I mean you do a lot of um like, would you call it collaborating or songwriting for, you know, major labels and that sort of stuff? Do you, do you ever sort of come across a, uh, an algorithm or a, or a song where you just go like, 
Hang on, that's might just put that <laughs> put that in the put that one in the back pocket and um Yeah, I guess. And um I mean, I don't know, I feel like my my thing is kind of a bit quirky anyway. Yep. So it's, it'll be like a if I did have any kind of like, you know, hit making potential, it'd be yeah. a quirky hit, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't naturally like make like um Blockhead said something really funny, which like he said he made he made uh, sad bangers. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably maybe my bag as well. Yeah. Just like having really atmospheric, kind of a slightly melancholic. Yeah. Kind of like bangerish, but not kind of like beat you over the head. Yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought that like got here would have. Well, there you go. Made it out but like, you know, <laughs> it just depends if the song connects with people or not. Yeah, I absolutely. I always thought like you know if, if something you create it's got to move you first and if it can move you then it might move other people as well yeah um rather than i know other producers that are kind of really playing that kind of like they're just they just want the hit and it's yep. all chiseled in terms of like it's got to fit into these parameters yeah. and two minutes 30. not to take anything away from it i'm sure there's like a lot of you know feeling that energy yeah i mean there's well. absolutely an art to, totally um but there's, um there's that miley cyrus track where she's like collabed with um, Stevie Nicks, and it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. Oh, it good. is just so clever, and um, yeah, every time I'm at a party and I'm or I'm DJing, whatever, it's just like everyone's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> I did this like um years ago. I did this session with like um recording with um Damien Marley. Yep, and um. He, it was basically the session was just about him kind of like trying to get ideas for a collaboration with Mick Jagger. Yeah. And it was like all these house wow. versions of Rolling Stone songs. Yeah. And it was kind of like, I don't know, I'm pretty much, <laughs> I don't know anything about this. Yeah. It was like some, it was really weird. It was kind of like, I guess that's like on that level yeah. of like, you know, commercialness. Yeah. Like it's just, I just tune out at a certain yeah. point. This is not me, you know. When, um, when you are in the songwriting process, um, if at all, do you sort of get that creative block where you just go, I don't know where to go from here? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, that's, I guess that's the great thing about working with someone else. Yeah. Because, uh, so, like, often, like, you know, you can have, like, something that you don't think as much. Yeah. And it just takes another person to add one thing to it and, like, and it just unlocks the whole thing. Yep. And then you all of a sudden know where to take it or know what it is. Yep. Yeah. But that's, is, that's is there any specific real techniques that get you out of a funk or like provide or is there any bits of equipment that is somewhat more inspiring uh, than others that can generally I think uh, some sometimes it's like stripping things back because like um, often when something's not working you can find yourself just adding to something yep and sometimes for no good reason you're just trying to make it something but I think like if you could just take a step back from it and strip it down to the things that you absolutely like about it and yep. then maybe even start with a fresh approach. Yep. That can sometimes work. Like, yeah, just being able to delete your babies. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, absolutely. Just, yeah, not being precious about something. Yep. Or sometimes sitting delete, on something is good as well. Delete your babies. <laughs> <laughs> just like you might, you might just have like something that's not quite working, but you just, you put it in your back yep. pocket and you might pull it out later and yep. be like, you know what? I really love those keys, but the drums yep. I did on that suck. Hit the, the bitch. Hit the showers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Clean yourself up. Clean yourself up there. Yeah, cool. Um, how important is mindset to you when you're in your creative space? Um, I guess it's fairly important. I mean, I probably, um, it's all 
maybe kind of subconscious that sort yep. of stuff like your, your attitudes towards you know work and how you're approaching things yep um i try not to do too many things that stress me out or just have like a i don't know i try to um take a step back sometimes if yep. something's like super super stressful yep is there particular things in uh in this room that can stress you out uh, I guess like sometimes if someone's only like maybe visiting yep. Melbourne or they have a finite time like and a deadline, yep. And then something's not happening or there's some technology that's not happening. Yep. But um Yeah, I mean it's only really momentary though, like you just have to Yeah, it might, you just have to be a bit like have a bit of lateral thinking sometimes yep. and just okay, that's not gonna work, we'll just do something yep. else. Do you do a lot of stuff outside of this room? Like will you go into a to a studio and I do um, mixing out of here yep because it's not the greatest like mix environment yep but I can't I mean I can pull mixes in here but um yeah for the hood stuff I go to Adelaide and they have um, Suffer and Debris both have like Debris has the more crazy studio but they kind of like have identical setups at the core of it yep like so same monitors same uh, computer setups same yep. plugins and everything so it's kind of a unique thing that they can actually exchange sessions yep. that are being recorded at um, Suff's place or Debris and just have it like work in either. Yeah. Do you contribute to the um, recording process? Uh, just production. Yeah. Um, I yeah went over to Adelaide a few weeks back to sit in on a session that something yep. I'm producing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like mostly like it's been a lot of mixing. Yeah. So it's. Feels like it's a family, family vibe with those guys. Like yeah, you're part of the. It's very. It's fairly like. Um, yeah, fairly like, insular, I guess, and yep. all the collaborations are like super considered. Yep. Um, so that's been interesting. Like I sometimes do, I'm more of kind of like, yeah, let's just fucking see what happens. Like sometimes, but I yep. think they're way more <laughs> kind of like. Yep. Zoned on it, you know. Yeah, they probably appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. I was hoping I could chat to you, just get like an industry health check as to um, whether that be the touring industry or the um, the recording industry or musicians who are coming through your through your um, through your desk. Um, what what is the health? I mean, pre post COVID, mm. whatever. But I mean, are uh, are people getting paid? Are people happy? Um, is the record um, industry a fair place for everyone to be a part of? It seems pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, it's always been pretty hard, but like, I think um, everyone's yeah. dealing with something, you know what I mean? Like, it's spot on. Yeah. 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 We're all just kind of like coping, I guess, yeah. you know? Yeah. I um, mean, the, and the most yeah. unhealthiest I've been is like uh -huh. in a tour bus in the other side of the world, just going like, fuck, McDonald's again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can be like, I mean, touring can be super harsh. It's, it's a brutal environment and it's only made uh bearable by the people that you tour with i think yeah like if they're if you're touring with cool people and you're having laughs like laughter can get you through a lot yeah but um yeah it's just, i think it's, pretty it's much tough. any gig that i've ever got has only been because i am a funny guy I yeah i think that's i mean that's that's got value yeah. though you know what i mean i have like, um, more confidence in my humor than i do my ability that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> me too but i don't know so it's just like sometimes especially with touring i feel like the personality's got to fit yep 
because that can really like unravel stuff super yep. quick. If someone's not a good fit for a touring party, it just goes downhill, you know? Absolutely. Oh. Um, what's, uh, I mean, in terms of, uh, in the hip hop world, I mean, for me growing up, I sort of saw it would be impossible for like a female MC to A, exist, but also succeed. I mean, I think that's definitely times have changed with that, with a lot of female artists coming out, but uh, is it a daunting place? I mean, it's hard to speak on their behalf, but um, is it a daunting place for um, diversity to exist within the hip hop rap world? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's weird. I mean, I feel like as a middle-aged white guy, it's sort of, <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's a hard thing to like, discuss. I yeah. can like think about it, I guess, yeah. but like I know, I mean, I've had friends who've had a pretty terrible time yep. and stuff that I wouldn't be privy to because I can, you know, back in the day touring and you don't, you don't even have a sound engineer that you're touring with, so you rock up to some yep. pub that you're playing in Queensland or something and then there's some guy that's doing that job seven days a week and does yep. not give a fuck. Yeah. Like he, you're... You're sort of like, you know, liaising with him in a way that like maybe if you were a female artist, you would get like a totally different person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think uh, it could be super so hard for some people. So quite for uh, this week from, um, I can't remember her name, forgive me, but the singer of London Grammar. And oh. um, she just said that like, if I was a guy, I wouldn't be labeled difficult. Right, right, and right. And it's just like, I just sort of resonated with me and just going like, yeah, of course, like, yeah, or like, you know, it's so that, easy for yeah. a bunch of dudes to just be like, oh, she's being difficult. And right. Like, Fuck, that's yeah. totally something I've probably been fucking guilty of. Yeah, yeah. Putting a stage together. Um, I was hoping we could wrap this up with um, uh, five inspiring artists that, um, that people should check out these days. Five inspiring artists. Um, um. Whether that be from, you know, your elk or your genre or just people that you've sort of come across and, or you're keen to check out um, or just, just what's hot. Uh, wow. Um, there's so much like happening locally, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like you could just take your pick to any, like there's so many hubs of music going on in Melbourne. Yep. It's like, it's like a... I, you know, I have thought about this today and like I still can't think of like yeah. any like solid like, it's just so much. You it's know probably I mean? a tough question to do um, yeah. post COVID too because there'd be so many places or people that would have put their um, release schedules on hold. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, and yeah. they're probably just about to burst because they've had that extra 18 months to craft that release campaign. Yeah, I guess like I like what some um, College of Knowledge is doing yep. with their stuff, but that's that stuff's really inspiring. Um I love the Clever yeah, Austin stuff. That's well. super cool. Like, yep. it's from a beat making perspective. Right. Pretty interesting. Um, yep. As far as like, you know, yeah, I, I get like inspired by, I've got a weird taste in music, I guess. Like there's these guys from uh, San Diego called Drumetrics. Mm -hmm. who are kind of like, it's just a studio based kind of like thing. Yep. But they just pull like the most amazing drum sounds. It's like my ultimate drum sound. Yeah. I think they used to, uh, they have collaborated with um, Gas Lamp Killer and um, uh, the guy from Heliocentrics. Uh, God damn it, uh, Malcolm. Uh, I've lost it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I like stuff like you know that they. I guess they're labeled as Dream Pop, but like Beach House. Yeah, I really like uh, their stuff. Just as like a duo, I guess I find like. Um, uh, 
her voice like super yeah doesn't end songwriting and stuff yeah and, like the aesthetic of having like like really sort of like cheesy drum machines but they just turn into something like the yep. production turns into something epic yeah um uh and a band from sweden called dungen who like the they kind of like make psych rock i guess yep and sing in swedish but like the main guy he's kind of like a sort of um uh uh like a Tame Impala, uh, Parker sort of character in terms yep. of that. He kind of just was making all the stuff himself and just it was kind of like the, then the band would play it later kind of thing. Yep. Um, but he started out as like a as like a rap producer, like a who'd make beats and stuff and mm -hmm. then uh, was sampling from sort of like psych records and that sort of thing and I just thought like he actually got more interested in just like wanting to make the stuff that he was sampling rather yep. than make the beats. So then just like started the band. Yep. So that sort of thing's inspiring. I've, I've got like projects that I don't know if I'll ever see the light of day, which are kind of like that. Yep. Kind of like the College of Knowledge, sort of like psych rocky sort of drums and like, you know, crazy Herbie Flowers kind of like style bass. Yep. That kind of stuff. But um, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just like inspired by all kinds of things. Yep. Music. But it's definitely nice to be in Melbourne with like, yeah, you know, stuff happening every week and. Especially, I mean, to be um, in Australia, and um, we're one of the first, you know, us in New Zealand are the first ones that open up and be able to go and rub shoulders with people at a gig. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder how, like, I always think of that as, like, is it a tick ticking time bomb as far as, like... 100%. We just live, we just live in this, like, bubble. Yeah, but, like, it, um, it, mean, can all, it can all... You know, we can't go moment. anywhere. It's yeah. kind of like this weird sort of prison. Yeah, it's, I mean, um, I mean <laughs> my, uh, my Instagram feed on a Sunday morning is, it almost brings a tear to my eye, just um, to the, all production mates, just like pictures of crowds and it's just like, it's just uh, so good to see. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, crazy. I mean, just last it? week was the first gig I did with a crowd barrier and that was just like, that board, I just looked at it and just like, that's nice. bless, bless, bless the crowd barriers because that means people are just going to get, like, people are going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, people need protecting. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing until it's gone, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I worked with a bunch of like I worked with she had and at a seated gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just there's, like there's a few of those weird things going and, on. Like, um, um, in soundcheck, like Johnny Too Good's like testing which um, tables he can stand on. <laughs> oh my God. And it's just like that's that's COVID. <laughs> oh man, that's just so depressing. Yeah. But yeah, good to see it opening up. Especially like <clears throat> I guess if you're like a smaller band as well, like you've got you can a little bit better I think yeah. at the moment because those are the gigs that you can have yeah you know yeah um, I just I just worried like I guess you know we had such a thriving live music scene in Melbourne so many people have moved here for yeah. that reason and it's just been gutted you know yeah so yeah. I, I really hope that um, all those venues and promoters and stuff can recover and we don't lose too much of it we're obviously going to lose a yeah, bit of it it's um it's a it's it's its own pandemic in the industry as to, yeah, like, right. to what's what's coming and yeah. the lack of this lack of financial support um, that's just been ruining these venues and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean the venues that I work at, um, like the Corner and, and the SP and that sort of stuff, where they're booking booking awesome shows, um, but still limited capacity and they can't make a single cent. Yeah, that's they, the thing about people it. People are like, having a good time, yeah. and yeah, that's that's why they do it. Something. Um, you know, and it keeps it, it keeps it operating, I yep. guess. Probably at a loss, I'd say. Yep. Uh, I mean, little <coughs> bands like a band I produced, um, Squid on Camera here. He's the he's the drummer. Um, my first ever thing. We they had their EP launched the other day, sold that out. So it's just good to see the bands can 
um, start in yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. and hit the ground running. Right. Um, you legends, check them out. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like, I mean, there's no one touring here from overseas. It's almost yeah. like, a, I guess, we'll see, but like, I guess there's more, maybe there's more opportunities for younger bands and like yeah. people that wouldn't have had a look in yeah. to have to have some opportunities at some like bigger shows. Motley Crue, Kiss have like booked in a 2023 and there's like, really Motley Crue or someone really obnoxious booking MCG. I saw it. There was a poster under the corner, uh, under that Guns bridge. And Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. Did you Guns and that, Roses um, are coming that, um, to town. There was that famous gig they did it um, down the Calder Freeway, at the Raceway or something. Yeah, right. It? it was like one of the first ones where it changed a lot of the rules and a lot of the regulations <laughs> to about like what you could do at like um, festivals and yeah, concerts right. and stuff. Yeah, right. At a Guns and Roses gig. Yeah, because like yeah. Um, what happened was they had there was no free water. It was it was like forty degree a day or something. Yeah. They came on two or three hours late. <laughs> All these kind of like just a just a, like a clusterfuck of yeah. things happened, and then basically there was no transport from the venue, and then yeah. just had these hordes of people going down the Calder Freeway and just like apparently the one story was there's the first the first <laughs> the first service station on that road just got like just smashed with people just going in and just taking stuff. Yeah. Because they, you know, was, yeah, there's yeah. no bottle. There was no bottled water, and I think yeah. they were charging like ten bucks. I mean, whatever it was, yeah, a yeah. bottle of water or something. And that's people why were just cancels, passing um, out. That's why cancels definitely need applications for events. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this was like I think it was like one of those famous turning points where they yeah. they brought in all these new laws and stuff about. Thanks a lot, dads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sweet as man. I think that'll wrap us up for today. That was awesome, and thanks so much for um, awesome. you know, jumping into this uh, to the session of your new track. Really excited to hear everything that's coming out of Platonic Lab. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Cool. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Cheers. Easy peasy. Rock and roll.